Shri Gauri Vaishnava Guru Parampara Ki Jai Shri Sita Haji Gopal Ki Jai Shri Thirubhava Mahamotavatiti Shri Jiva Goswami Prabhupada Ki Jai Gaur Bhakta Vrinda Ki Jai Gaur Premanande So good morning everyone. We are gathered uh, on the auspicious occasion of the Thirubhava uh, remembrance of Jiva Goswami Prabhupada. May he bless us all with his knowledge and his bhakti. <clears throat> so I'll say something, a few words about Jiva Goswami. You have been, prior to my entering here this morning, reciting the Sadhu Goswami Astakam of Srinivasa Charja, who was uh, um, in the second generation, if you will, of uh, disciples coming after the six Goswamis. I believe he was initiated by Gopal Bhatta Goswami and his Siksha Guru was Jiva Goswami Prabhupada, so he knew them very well and he's written very uh, beautifully and profoundly about them. That Sad Goswami Astakam was a favorite uh, prayer of my Guru Maharaj who is one of the few persons who put the uh, Astakam to music. Pujapad Sridhar was quite um, surprised and pleased to hear Prabhupada's musical uh, rendering of the Sadhguru Goswami Astakam, about which he said the very sound of that he has put this to the, the meter, the rhyme, the, uh, whatever the the, uh, uh, the music of it is synonymous with the meaning. You can find the meaning and the sound, even if you don't know the words, if you listen carefully. So, uh, suffice to say, my Guru Maharaj was, was a staunch uh, follower of the six Goswamis of Vrindavan, who were the founding, really, a charges of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Sometimes we extend that to include Kaviraj Krishnadas Goswami, who <coughs> penned, of course, Chaitanya Charitamrita, which was his effort and successful at that uh, attempt to put into Bengali hmm, and thus give to the to the common folk the essence of the teachings of the Goswamis that they had put into Sanskrit. Among them, Jiva Goswami was the most prolific and he was the most uh, philosophical. His, his, his texts have um, are more heady more philosophical in nature than the poetry of Rupa Goswami and, and uh, Sanatana Goswami, uh, Raghunath Das Goswami. Um, and as I say, more prolific as well. It's said that uh, he uh, composed 25 books, but it's also said, I believe, in Chaitanya Charitamrita that he composed 400,000 verses. Hmm which would make him second only to Vyas himself in terms of the volume of original Sanskrit to competition, compositions about the nature of the Absolute. So, very prolific writer and the youngest of the six Goswamis. We have information about him and everyone uh, of the associates of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu largely in terms of their lives after the passing of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Um, descriptions in two books, primarily Prema Vilas from the middle of the 16th century 
uh, which is written in in uh, in Bengali in uh, in, in Bengal, and then we have the Bhakti Ratnakar of um, um, Raghu Bhakti Ratnakar, um, one of the his name is common. No, I can't remember. Uh, was was written a century later in in from from Vrindavan. Um, they're historical books, um, um, but not uh, looked at. I would say from the modern historical point of view as being something that's actually historically accurate, which is a very history that is a very inaccurate um, science or art or, or, or discipline, because obviously it relies upon the uh, partial information from different periods of time and um, received from not always directly from people in the time and how they felt about what they may have written and so on and so forth. Um, but Indian history at large is, is like that to, to an extent. And as I think I mentioned the other day, it's more about capturing the essence of the feeling of a time than it is concern about plot, or I think we made that point, or about necessarily all the details, all the dots completely connecting. Hmm. They want to, in other words, by the historical renderings, bring us into the feeling of the event, the feeling of the time, and that takes precedence over the details, which could vary from one teller uh, or historian, writer, or or another, which they take the liberty to even change the details to bring out the feeling. Hmm? Right? That's what's important. So we, we, we do, uh, therefore, have um, regard for those uh, those texts, um, but again, they're mostly written about the lives of um, the associates um, after the passing of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Nityananda Prabhu. So there's little information, but some passed down through the oral tradition, a little bit in Chaitanya Charitamrita and so forth. I cited there Kaviraj Goswami's glorification of the of the voluminous nature of the uh, written excuse me, a composition, a, com- com- a contribution of Jiva Goswami. And we know, uh, of course, or I should say also with regard to historical information and that which might be more accurate from a modern historical point of view, we have the genealogy of Jiva Goswami, his family lineage that he himself has added, which was customary to do um, by authors at the time, to the end of his... Um, I think Brihat uh, Lagutoshani commentary on Srimad Bhagavatam, a commentary that very follows cl- very closely to Sanatana Goswami's. So there we find that he that his his uh, uncles, who became Rup and Sanatan, and his father uh, Balaba, uh, who became Anupam. These are names that it appears they received. These are names <coughs> that um, it appears that they, um, is that better? That they received from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself. Hmm? Balaba, Anupam, Rup, Sanatana. We have the names 
mm, of uh, titles of Rupa and Sanatana that they received from their uh, service in the government, Muslim government at the time, but uh, these are the only names we have, Rupa Sanatana, and they were immediate, um, uh, I- I- immediately, I- they were taught personally by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So, uh, this family lineage of Jiva Goswami is mentioned there, and the fact that uh, that uh, the uh, it, it derives from, I believe, must be Gore Brahmana community in uh, in South India. Not sure what part of South India, um, but that um, at a certain point in their family, then uh, um, the relatives of Jiva Goswami relocated in Ramkeli, in Bengal. And there we find that he appeared as a son of Balava, the nephew of Rupa and uh, Sanatan Goswami. Sanatan was the elder of the three brothers, then Rupa, then, well, I think Rupa was second and Balava the third. Um, but um, they, uh, uh, at least Rupa and Sanatan, they were scooped up, so to speak, by the um, Nawab Hussein Sah, who was ruling and administrating there in, the, in that s- area of Muslim occupation of India. And um, there's a story to that regard that I heard Bhaktivedanta Narayan Maharaj relate. I don't know where he got it from, but it's a nice story. And I, I don't know if I can uh, fully recall it, but it's worth saying something about um, the Nawab had a number of people, many people, engaged in building his eventual tomb hmm, where he would uh, be laid to rest upon his demise and he wanted it to be more beautiful than, I don't know, the Taj Mahal, which is a similar thing as much as it's it's really just a tomb of, <laughs> of a... Um, a Muslim ruler, as far as I recall. So, um, you know, that was apparently a good part of his understanding of the significance of the afterlife. Uh, you, you leave behind some tomb here that people remem- remember your deeds uh, and your greatness as you perceive it on earth. At any rate, um, they were building the and the uh, the tomb, and I believe one of the builders or architects. Uh, how did it go? He was uh, uh, the Nawab asked him something. Hmm. I think he said it, it was like really good, but then the architect said, "I can do better. I could have done better." So yeah, he, he said it looked really good, and the architect says, "Well, I could have done better," and maybe he referred to some other place or something like that in comparison. And so the Nawab, what did he do? He wanted to, he, he, he ordered him to Because he was able to do it better, so he He didn't want it. He was, he was, he, Nawab thought, well, he's able to do it better, so I don't want him around, so. Um, but I think he asked him a question. Hmm? He asked him a question, and like, do you know somebody better or something like that? Uh, it's like after that, he just said, get it, or, or get him, or something like that. Or, or, or. 
anyway, there was some question or some order, and he escaped. Hmm? And and on the uh, uh, loose, if you will, um, he happened to run into the young Rup and Sanatan, who could see that he was troubled. Hmm? And by just looking at him, they could understand his mind. And they... Um, asked him about uh, you know, what was troubling him, and he told. And the, the other Nawab had asked him to bring somebody, I think, or bring that, maybe he said bring that guy that can do better or something like that. But he had just didn't know what he exactly wanted. He just got out of the way. And, and if he didn't you know, come back and fulfill the Nawab's order, he would have had his head taken off. So Rupa Goswami, he wasn't sure what the Nawab wanted, and Rupa Goswami, after hearing the story, understood what the Nawab would have wanted and said, this is what he would have wanted, that this is what he's asking you. Hmm? And so then I, w I guess he went and brought that guy or something, and the Nawab said, how did you figure out what I wanted? You know, I was so angry at that time. I was ready to cut off your head, something like that. And then he thought, well, these fellows I met, you know. So the Nawab said, I want to meet them, bring them here. Hmm? So this is the story. Something that's effectively brought these young Rups and Atan, the uncles of Jiva Goswami, who were very extraordinary people, uh, even from a material point of view. They spoke many languages. They were very cultured people, and it would appe it appeared from the Hindu community at the time that they were deviating from the Hindu standards of um, behavior, conduct, association, and so forth, by way of taking service in the government of the of the of the Muslims, which they didn't really have a choice, hmm? because if the Nawab said, "I want you to work for me." Uh, yeah, you pretty much had to do that. And, of course, he gave them very high positions in the government, so much so that Sanatan was in charge of the government when the king went out on some some journey for some battle or whatever it may have been. Hmm. Uh, so he understood these were very cultured, valuable people. And I, I think we can look at this accurately from the point of view of the Chaitanya Mahababhu's orchestrating Alila, bringing his associates and empowering them in different ways, uh, Rupa and Sanatana, Jiva Goswami, the six Goswamis in general, being those whom he chose to be the leaders of his mission in, by way of establishing a sampradaya through, through a body of literature, a scriptural canon, to re, re, uh, uh, developing the places of uh, Krishna's leelas in Vrindavan and establishing the virtues, the glory of Vrindavan, uh, and to set an example by their their character. Mahabharu hmm? asked him to do these things. I think there were four things altogether. At any rate, in 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 uh, terms of his desire to um, single them out for this, we're looking at Rupa Sanatana in particular, but it holds true for the other Goswamis. But but in particular with Rupa Sanatana, we can see they're, they're working for the Nawab Hussain, Hussain saw, which was ostracized them from the Hindu community, was actually to the advantage of, uh, in terms of what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu wanted them to do, because as ministers in the government, you know, they would meet many people, that it was a high uh, cultured environment, they would learn different languages and so on and so forth. Um, so they had that kind of material background, if you will, added to their 
Brahman and Vaishnava birth, which equipped them to, to be to deal later, as they did in Vrindavan, with kings and Jiva Goswami in particular. Hmm? Um, uh, in terms of building temples, and so we'll, we'll come to some of that. But um, at any rate, that they were they were uh, engaged in the Wab's service, and they heard about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and they were uh, enchanted by him. I mean, you can just imagine that the whole of Bengal, uh, modern Bengal, is still enchanted by no, by no one person more than Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. How well he's understood, what his contribution was, what he's all about. There's no one in Bengal history that stands out uh, more as the, you know, is the, is the poster boy of, you know, of the glory of of uh, of Bengal than than Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, um, and what to speak of in his time as his exploits began, news about it began to ripple throughout the subcontinent. Mm-hmm. By the time Rupsanathan met him personally, um, he had already taken sannyas. He had gone to Jagannath Puri, and conquered the kingdom of Jagannath Puri that the Muslims couldn't conquer. That's how strong it was. Mm-hmm. From uh, uh, the, the, the martial uh, and political uh, vantage point. Gajapati Raj, Pratapurudra, the king of Puri at the time, was uh, protected Jagannath Swami and his his abode uh, very fiercely from any um, Muslim I- invasion. Hmm? But Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was 24 years old. Sanyasin conquered the king of 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 of, uh, of Jagannath Puri and his his minister, the great Sarvabhauma, about the charges we spoke about the other day, and so forth. So this kind of news was, as I say, rippling throughout the subcontinent, and and uh, there in Ramkeli, Rupsanathan heard of the exploits of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and there was some correspondence between them. They wanted to join with him, but they were in a difficult situation, working in the king's uh, cabinet. And uh, they didn't have the luxury of just saying, uh, I'm going to quit. <coughs> it didn't work like that. <coughs> so they were kind of caught in a difficult place, and they wrote to Mahaprabhu, who told them, he wrote them a letter. And in the letter he said, just like a, a, a lover uh, pays close attention to her husband, that he may not find out about her extramarital partner, Mm, this may occur. Mm, she she's very careful at home. Do all the dishes. Take care of her. <laughs> in the traditional, it would have been woman's role at that time. Uh, so you keep yourself like that, and uh, your heart beat for implication being the the, the Gaudi of Vaishnavism that you will eventually be the architects of under my direction. Have patience. In other words, keep the flame in your heart burning. Mm-hmm at the same time. And in due course, of course, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu went to um, Ram Kali and there he met Rup Sanatan. Um, I'm not sure of the age difference. Let's see. Uh, Jiva Goswami was born in f- <coughs> 1513, I believe. I don't know the dates of Rup Sanatan, um, how much younger that would have made him. Um, and I'm not sure that he personally met Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself, but he saw the effect 
of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu or that he was old enough to, you know, uh, recognize him, interact with him and so forth, but he saw the profound effect on his father and his nephews that caused them at the risk of their own lives, hmm, they waited until they found an opening hmm, to escape, if you will, from the um, um, the, the cabinet service, the work they had in the Nawab's government. Um, Sanatana Goswami dressing himself as a Muslim mendicant, like a fakir, a, a Sufi, to be able to travel across India and, and not be caught and 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 so forth. Uh, beautiful s- histories of that, stories of that are recorded in Chaitanya Charitamrita. But they met there and um, I think at that time the p- a plan was uh, put in place or the assurance that they would, further assurance from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was personally that they would have the opportunity to break away from their present situation, meet with them. So point is that Jiva Swami saw the effect on his uh, uncles and his father hmm, who left everything and they were wealthy as a result of having uh, very powerful positions in the government. They had anything they wanted and they gave it up. Hmm. But it was clear to him that, that, as I've written in other places, that they did not give up uh, religion for money. They had money. Hmm. And they didn't give up money, which they did give up only for religion, hmm, but for something else. Because had they given up money for religion, that would have meant, that, what I mean by that, they did, not conf- they did not seek to find a place within the Hindu social religious system for themselves hmm, and have a comfortable uh, social religious uh, status. Hmm. But they gave up the social religious status and the money Artha and Dharma, if you will, and come all together. And lo and behold, following the ideal as they understood it of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, they gave up moksha as well. Dharma, Artha, Kama, Moksha. And under his direction, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's direction, they wrote about another dimension that we've discussed here um, and, and at length, the, the Panchama Purusharta, the fifth goal of life. The the Turiyatita Gopala, right? Prem Prayojan, beyond moksha. So, you've read some descriptions of this, how it was, they were captivated by this in the Sadhguru Goswami Astakam. And you can imagine the young jiva was also captivated by their example. This uh, really made a deep impression upon him. They were uh, said that he had Krishna Balaram deities that he worshipped in his in his youth, but one day he appeared after his elders had departed and followed Chaitanya Mahaprabhu before his mother with a uh, saffron robe and a shaved head. Hmm. Just a young lad saying he wanted to go and, and join uh, his uh, uncles and his father, and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And of course she, she thought it was just a little bit uh, childish preoccupation with something that looked like material misery and uh, and religious extremism, if you will, but uh, I think she must have been very surprised to find out <coughs> that I- in short time, short measure, that he was not just was not just a childhood infatuation with the ideal 
that, that was short of a deep understanding of what that commitment meant because the young Jiva Goswami shortly thereafter left home himself. Hmm. According to Thakur Bhakti Vinod, who's written um, about this in his Navadvip Dham Mahatmya. is one of the books in which Bhakti Vinod Thakur um, writes about Vrindavan so so as to uh, highlight the different places of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Leela, the significance of them, in ways that the Goswamis, Rupsanatham, were asked to do about uh, Vrindavan. He did it on the Nabadweep side. And in doing that, he, uh, say, one of the main books was Navadvipta Mahatmya, in which he depicts the young Jiva Goswami leaving home and coming to Navadweep and getting the association of Nityananda Prabhu, who took him on a tour of the Dham and said, this happened here, this happened, this happened here, this happened here, and now you know this, go here. Sent him to Banaras. Banaras is a still today a center of learning in India, and from a religious or spiritual point of view, it's a, it's a real haven for Advaitins and Buddhists, uh, Mayavadis, Sunyavadis, uh, who are, you know, very much uh, from our point of view, uh, preoccupied with the dry logic of abstract uh, philosophy um, uh, drawn from the Veda, uh, and uh, uh, so it was a, a place of learning. And Jivasami went there, hmm, and he learned under Madhusudan Vachaspati at the time, who I think that. Uh, Rupsanathan also had association with it. He was related, Madhusudan Bhattaspati, to Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya. Now, Bhattacharya, we spoke about a little bit the other day, but a little bit more about him, uh, it should be noted that I believe he's described in the Encyclopedia Britannica as the greatest logician of all times in India. Hmm? It's said that he hailed from the Namadweep area and he was his father. His, his father, I think, was... Uh, a close associate of uh, Jagannath Mishra, the father of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was a young lad, not only 24 years old, and a sannyasi came to Puri, he put that together. He was attracted to his beauty, his charm, his, his, his learning, and the fact that, well, we have a relationship from the village as well. Somehow the Bhattacharya had relocated in Puri, but it's said about him that um, he went to Matila, which previously was the seat of learning in in Bengal, and uh, he wanted to take some of the books from there back to his home town in 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 in, in or in India, I should say, seat of learning in India, take the books to Navadweep, but they wouldn't allow him to take because there was a competition. What would be the seat of learning and so forth? So he memorized, I think, one of the main main books, mm, and took it by heart to uh, uh, Navadweep. There he, he had a student named Raghunandan Thakur, maybe was his name. And um, he became as celebrated of a logician as he wanted to be. He said he was once riding in a boat across the Ganga with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, hmm, who was then, had yet to manifest himself as a Vaishnav. He was known as Nimai Pandit. He was very learned himself. Hmm? And uh, Raghunandan, Raghunandan Shiromani said, I, I've written a book about logic. 
my desire is that I will become the greatest logician in India. Would you l- take a look at it? You're a pundit. See what you think. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu looked at the book and gave it back and said, yes, it's very nice. And I have a book too mm-hmm. that I've written. And this, of course, perked the interest of Raghunath Shiromani because Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was very, very famous as a pundit at the time. But Mahaprabhu said, but after reading your book, I throw it in the mine in the Ganga so that you can become the greatest logician. Mm-hmm. The implication is, if he had kept the book, that position would not have been gained. That title would not have been gained by Raghunandan. Uh, so uh, whether he did or not, it seems he must be listed in there somewhere, but he was a student of Sarvabhama Bhattacharya. So at one point, it was thought that Sarvabhama Bhattacharya was the most learned pandit logician, I should say, in all of India. So a pretty uh, elevated, if you will, um, from one point of view, lineage. And Vachaspati Madhusudan was related to Sarvabhama. He was, had a teacher's role in some respect in the lives, I believe, of Rupsanathan and definitely in the ripe life of Jiva Goswami, who acquainted himself uh, with all the different systems of philosophy at the time. It was a little easier at that time than it is now. <laughs> at that time, the systems were Nyaya, Vaishaishika, Karma Mimamsa, uh, Sankhya, Yoga, and Vedanta. And all of these um, philosophical systems, to one extent or another, uh, derived from the sacred texts, from the Veda, Puranas, which were the main standard books of knowledge. The extent to which they relied upon them, the extent to which they um, considered them evidence as to um, by which we could know what we know and so forth is is is, is different, but um, that, if you can imagine, is quite different than today. Because at a certain point in Western uh, history, uh, philosophy was born, if you will, by what I would say was the discipline of theology, reasoning about the implications of sacred texts. Hmm? Um, in philosophy, by contrast, would be reasoning unhinged from whatever those old books say, hmm? as it might be thought, retiring them to the dustbin and giving oneself the freedom of the mind and intellect to just think about, think yourself, do I exist? Even, for example, amongst the existentialist philosophers and so forth of Europe and and uh, you know now the philosophy is largely informed by scientific data and then thought about and so forth. So there's just there's just too many systems of philosophical thought to keep up with. But the example of Jiva Goswami is important because it conforms with what uh, the Bhagavatam cites. If we if we on top of that cite the commentary of the verse from. Srimad Bhagavatam Abhishvana Chakri Thakur, the verse that speaks about the qualifications of the Guru, Shabde Parechanishnatam, Brahmani Upashamashrayam. Besides having standing hmm, in transcendence, the verse says, evidenced by hmm, um, Brahmanishtam, um, what did I say? Shabde Parechanishnatam, Brahmani Upashamashraya, who has standing in Brahman on the ground of consciousness, 
that we ourselves are, are made of, evidenced by their ability to harness the human passions. Hmm? This is the objective evidence by which we can find their subjective experiences that they report upon to us. We can believe it has some credibility because they're talking about supernatural experiences and the evidence that them ha they're having they're having them and that they're real is borne out in the objective evidence that they supply to us by their example of being able to harness the human passions which is supernatural do you understand we understand that pretty well it's pretty supernatural to harness the human passion harness the human passions so that's one half of the description of the guru and the other half shabde parechanishnatam that they that he or she understands, has bathed, if you will, in 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 the shower of the Vedic uh, texts hmm, from a shabde pare pare means from a theological the, the, uh, theological theistic I should say from a theistic perspective. This is the Bhagavatam speaking, rather than from a monistic perspective. Hmm. It's describing the guru in this way from a theistic perspective. Shabde pare shnishnata means that they understood or bathed in the shower as I say of the nectar of the of, of the of the Vedic text from a theistic point of view in every way shape and form they've looked at it inside outside upside downside backside front side nishnatam and to get to it in his commentary on this verse Jiva Goswami says and not only the, the scriptural books hmm. so they were in other words Jiva Goswami understood all these other philosophies outside of Vedanta and the form of Vedanta that he was involved in formulating hmm, along with his brothers Rupsanatana and under their, under their direction at the behest of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu being Jiva Goswami, one of the, say, the architects of the whole Sampradaya. So he was familiar with the currents of philosophy of the time and thus could speak about the sacred text in a relevant way in the times, drawing from this discipline and that discipline and that that people would have acquaintance with and, and so on and so forth. Um, accepting some aspects, finding common ground, rejecting those philosophies on other other grounds and so on and so forth. <clears throat> so this he accomplished at a young age and from there he went to Vrindavan. <clears throat> it, it's thought that he received initiation from Rupa Goswami himself and he was the only disciple of Rupa Goswami who along with Sanatana Goswami we have no real record of them initiating disciples and one of the reasons for this appears to be a social consideration in the time hmm, given their the fact that they were ostracized as I said earlier from the Hindu community for having worked in the Muslim government hmm. so they didn't want to push the envelope too far Hmm? They were fully qualified to initiate, but based on social considerations, they thought, well, let's not rock the boat here too much. When in our midst we have Gopal Bhatta Goswami from the prestigious South Indian family of Brahmins in the, in the, of the Ramanuja Sampradaya, nobody can object from a social point of view, social religious point of view, to his position. Because it would, in the social religious system of Varnashram, the Brahmins would be the initiators, right? Hmm? Um, so, from that point of view, Gopal Bhatta became the main um, initiator. But in time, hmm, things change. And in, in particular, in relation to our discussion, over time, 
the sampradaya of the community of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu with a, as a systematic lineage with its text and so forth was, was developing. So in time, in let's say the next generation or just in between the two we find Jiva Goswami because he was young, he did become initiating guru. Of course he was not working in the government either so <laughs> they might not have quite looked at him in the same way and ostracized him but still connection with his parents might have in the eyes of these very uh, you know Varnashram is like very detail oriented it has to be like this can't be like that and and um, who's your mother who's your father what's your father do what did he do yesterday and you know uh, and so on and so forth um, so uh, this is it was, we brought this point up before the Bhagavatam is, is really trying to uh, relax the grip of Varnashram sensibilities on the population that they might breathe easily within the very comforting, liberal, and and much more profound and much deeper and farther in its trajectory uh, school of, of Vaishnavism and Gaudi Vaishnavism in, in particular. <clears throat> not, an, not an easy uh, task to, to, to accomplish. We, you try to, you know, we look, uh, let's look at the work of my Guru Maharaj who came to America and Europe and touched down in Central America also on one part of his 12-year uh, orbit around the planet, bringing the tidings of Gaur Nityananda, and writing books and so forth. We know we are either immediate students of his or a generation or two removed, but f seeing the, 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 the extent of his campaign was extraordinary, and the history of that is recorded. So you can just imagine what the how we should feel about the Goswamis and what they did out of nothing to carve out the Gaudiya Vaishnavism as a Sampradaya, establish it as a lineage, and given some of the odds that were against them that I'm describing, for example, which were embraced by Mahaprabhu because it's part of his teaching, right? That, that you don't have to be within the Varnashram system to be a Gaudiya Vaishnav. Hmm? Its reach extends beyond the limits of what that discipline can accommodate. Hmm? Rupes and other were outside of that. Hmm? Not for good reason, but for by well, by way of the the, the rules of the system and so forth. Hmm? They were they became outcasts. Haridas was an outcast. The whole I think we cited the other day Mercantile community of Udar Latatakur were outcasts and so forth. Hmm? Brahma thought Krishna must have been an outcast when he saw him. <laughs> we'll get to that tomorrow or the next day in his picnic. Hmm? Um, so, uh, so, uh, by, excuse me. By the time of Jiva Goswami, then he initiated, and he initiated in it would seem in 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 in, in um, considerably, but his main disciples. Were, his, were, were those who took siksha from him. He became, in time, the siksha guru for all of the Gaudiya and Oriyan devotees of, of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Jagannath Puri and, and Bengal. He was, there were many gurus hmm, of different, uh, uh, not all as deeply realized as others uh, and all deferred 
if you will, to the Siddhanta of Jiva Goswami, his, his Siksha. So, who we know to be his disciples that are famous, if you will, in a succession, are his Siksha disciples like Srinivasa Charja, like Shamananda Prabhu. Srinivasa was initiated, I think he was from, was it Sudravarna? Was it Srinivasa or, or Shamananda? Initiated by, anyway, by Gopal Bhatta Goswami, officially. Yeah. And Gopalabhata Goswami certainly had much, you know, to offer, everything to offer, but nonetheless, schooled further by Jiva Goswami, who, as I said earlier, amongst the Goswamis, in terms of their writing, wrote more uh, philosophically, his most famous works, perhaps, being the uh, Satsandarbha, the six treaties. Sandarbha means like a necklace. And in those uh, treaties, he took verses from the Bhagavatam, selected verses from the Bhagavatam and put them together like in a necklace to bring out the essential teachings of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu uh, and, to, and our understanding of the teachings derived as they are from Srimad Bhagavatam. Mm-hmm. So it was quite, it's quite a masterful work and in contrast to something like Brihat Bhagavatamrita, the first book of the Gaudias by Sanatana Goswami where you have the story of Gopakumar, and you have the story of Narada, uh, or Rupa Goswami's Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. Yes, it's a book on the tattva of rasa. It's on the tattva of how rasa works, but it's not in this anywhere near in the same sense a philosophical work like the Sandarbha. So you can see that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu drew upon different persons in his time to play significant roles in in the dispensation of the the gift of of Gore. Nityananda for wide circulation, Garada had his role at Way to Bringing him, so on and so forth, the Goswamis. They all had different roles. None were better than the other, more important than the other. They all were given uh, uh, roles, so to speak, by the transcendental system, all of which were important today, of course. Now we're focused a little bit upon the role of Jiva Goswami himself. And it was uh, considerable and is mostly thought of um, in terms of his um, literary uh, legacy, which again was considerable, exceeds in length that of what the other Goswamis wrote, maybe put together. Hmm? And the philosophical nature of it. And this is important in terms of establishing a Sampradaya because uh, the previous Vaishnava Sampradayas and Shankar's monistic Sampradaya, they are very heady. Mm-hmm. Uh, they all were based on commentaries on the Vedanta Sutra. The sutras are just really very terse, cryptic statements that seek to uh, demonstrate that the, the, the Vedas, which are like a jungle of sounds, are uh, speaking a concerted message hmm, to show that. Um, but then they're so cryptic that they lend it slightly different interpretations, all of which point to life beyond uh, the mundane, all of which point to controlling the mind, the senses, transcendence being the goal. They have so much in common, but then they have nuanced understandings of the nature of that transcendence and and the way to to enter there. So, so they're, they're similar enough to all be called 
schools of Vedanta. Um, but prior, as I say, to the Goswamis and Chaitanya Vaishnavism, they were uh, those lineages, respected lineages of Vedanta, the Vishishta Dvaita, Dvaita Dvaita, Dvaita, and so on. These were very heady people, uh, Indian philosophers who wrote about them. The common people couldn't read this stuff, and it's written in Sanskrit also, mm -hmm. uh, which is not, not the language of the common common people. Um, and so if you want to establish a Sampradaya, you have to have somebody for their sake that, th that these other groups will acknowledge. You have to speak to them on, th them on their terms. You have to speak to other people on other terms. Hmm? I mean, the, Gosw the Goswamis had a, had a universality about their preaching as well. An example of this is, well, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu tried to accommodate the Muslims to some extent. Hmm? With regard to the, bring them in, he brought, brought Rupsanatan in, no problem, right? Became leaders. Haridas he brought in. Hmm? There are other examples of him converting kings, bringing them in. Uh, he didn't re reject them as the Varnashram would do and call them outcasts and so forth. And in, in Vrindavan, the Yogapit, the very center of Vrindavan, physically at the time and esoterically to this day, one of the Yogapits of the Vrindavan meditative. Um, uh, Astakal Lila, Lila uh, over the eight divisions of the day, is is the Radhagovinda temple, and that Radhagovinda temple was uh, it, where the deities of Jiva Goswami or Rupa Goswami, Radhagovinda were were enshrined, and it was built hmm, in such a way as to incorporate aspects of Hindu archaeology, archaeology. Architecture, excuse me, architecture, and Muslim architecture. It's a combination of the two. And Jiva Goswami wrote a Govinda Mandir Astakam, so he was involved in this hmm? <coughs> details. So this is again a, a bit of the universality. They wanted to, it was very inclusive. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's outreach was very very inclusive, and in order to have that in inclusiveness, one feature of that would they'd have to be included if you will, by the existing uh, schools of Vaishnavism at the time, gain credibility amongst them. So somebody had to, the youngest amongst the founding acharyas, amongst the architect, that guest was given to Jiva Goswami. Mm -hmm. Rupa Goswami, yes, he wrote about rasa. Yes, he said philosophically speaking, well, Krishna's got more rasa than Narayan, therefore he must be superior. Now let's get on and talk about what bhakti rasa is. And so forth, but Jiva Goswami goes into it much more deeply and establishes what what the scriptural hub of all the scriptural sacred text is. That being the Bhagavatam, around which all the other texts revolve and will be understood in context by by looking at statements in relation to what the Bhagavatam says. Um, very novel and genius um, insights that he. Uh, um, uh, came up with, and um, he was up to the task, if you will. And you can say that without the writings of Jiva Goswami, texts like the Sandarbhas in particular, um, you wouldn't have, arguably, you wouldn't have Gaudiya Vaishnavism being thought of as another Vaishnava Sampradaya in uh, uh, 
and school of Vedanta. Now that might not be so important to somebody today in the Western world who doesn't even know what Vedanta is or how to pronounce it or whatever. But at the time, it was important. And in our time, it's important for people who study the time and what the Indian history is and what the schools of thought are and so forth. And if Gaudiya Vaishnavism just had some poets writing about it, that would be a nice thing to look and see. But, but, but um, with this deep uh, philosophical insight and kind of Vedanta-esque in terms of how Vedanta was crafted or developed as a school in the past. This is the work of Jiva Goswami. Hmm? Yes, Mahaprabhu said, well, you know, we don't need a commentary on Vedanta Sutra because the Bhagavatam is a commentary, is a longhand uh, form of the notes of Vyas because the Garuda Purana says, Artoyam, Artoyam, Brahma Sutranam. So the art, the, the the meaning of the scripture of the sutras is found in the Srimad Bhagavatam. So, okay, but you're just going to make quote one statement from the Garuda Purana. It's enough for Mahaprabhu, but Jiva Goswami want to follow up on that, hmm? right? Hmm. And 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 demonstrate that that is his Sandarvas later, you know, century or so or more. More than a century later, you have Bali Bidibhusan under certain circumstances writing his Govinda Vapasya, which is a commentary directly on the sutras, and a need for it at the time, given the circumstances, which is, which is another story, another beautiful history within the Gaudiya Vaishnav lineage and its uh, efforts to establish itself on terms that other people at the time could relate to. Hmm? So these were very uh, difficult tasks, if you will, as they were uh, given. Sir, don't ask. Be careful if you ask for service. <laughs> you could get something difficult. Very difficult. Well, it will tax you. It will tax you. That's very good, right? Hmm? So you can imagine how taxed they were, right? Uh, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur kind of drew upon that in his own mission by his emphasis that, well, you know, to sit down and remember Krishna 24 hours a day under a tree or in a cave by chanting is not so easy. But if you are to tax your mind how to present this high philosophy to common people in, in different cultures and so forth, that could keep your mind pretty busy, hmm? occupy you. Hmm? And as a result of doing that for a couple of decades, maybe you can sit down and weep hmm, for what it's all about. One of my godbrothers once told Prabhupada Sanyasi, took Sanyas for Prabhupada, said he just wanted to stay in Mayapur, grass halt, and chant. So Prabhupada said, Yes, you can try it. So he did it. For a month he was chanting, you know, 100 plus rounds a day and so forth. But he said, he told me that after about two weeks, or maybe 10 days, they would bring him one meal a day, put it under the door, right? After about 10 days, he started to think, Are they going to give me that same doll again? Is there going to be a suite on there? Don't they ever make samosas around here? You know, his mind started to go <laughs> like that. And from there, it got worse. <laughs> and he, and he, before a month was over, he said, obviously, my, my mind is too powerfully distracted hmm, at this time. And I'm not, my heart is not purified enough for material desires and attractions to, for the, for, to, to be able to drink and eat huh, and get rest from the holy name alone. Hmm? This is not an easy thing. So he got up and, and he reported his um, experience to Prabhupada. And Prabhupada said, so now you go out and preach and 10 years you come back and try again. Hmm? 
see what happens. So he's still trying, but uh, <laughs> well, that's okay. So they were, uh, yes, there is a description in Chaitanya Charitamrita that's very moving, hmm, where Jiva Goswami, where Krishnas writes, and people, pilgrims, would go to Vrindavan. They were the talk of Vrindavan, the Goswamis. Hmm. And when they would, when pilgrims would go and come back, and then people outside of Vrindavan would ask, what are Rupa and Sanatan and Jiva Goswami, what are they doing? This was their reputation. Hmm. Jiva Goswami himself writes about his uncles at the onset of each of the six Sandarbhas, he pays respect to them, and I've cited this before. He says, you know, I offer my pranam to Rupsanatan, who are famous as devotees in Mathura, in the Mandal of, of Braj. And the significance of that is considerable. Just to be in the Braj and just to be a, be a devotee, be a devotee in Braj, to be acknowledged as such by anyone, that, that's significant, but to be famous as devotees in Braj without trying. This was their standard. Without trying. <laughs> it brings up somewhat of a difference in the disposition of Rupa and Jiva Goswami that that uh, equipped them, if you will, to contribute in the ways that they did through their writings to the Sampradaya. There's a story, a couple of anecdotes that come to mind. One in which a scholar came and uh, had written something and wanted to debate Rupa and Sanatana in public so that he would be known as the greater, greater, a greater scholar, which he was making an endeavor to do and which they had become without trying, if you will. And so they, they, after a few uh, requests from this fellow, they said, look, we don't really have time for this. Just give us your, write, write it up on paper. I debated with Rupa Sanatan and defeated them and we'll sign it. And then you can just leave us alone. So they and he would go around and say, yeah, I debated. And nobody, of course, listened to that. Mm -hmm. So this was their disposition. But the other antidote is that in discussions with Balaba, who was a contemporary of the Goswamis, mm -hmm. um, and who had met, met Mahaprabhu also, he met Mahaprabhu in, he, 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 I don't know if it was the first time, but on one occasion in, um, in uh, uh, not Puri, before that, it was in, was it at the Hashashvameda Ghat, where he met Rupa? Mm -hmm. And uh, there he was meeting with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Balabha was a big scholar, mm -hmm. and a Vaishnava. Balabha Charja Kijai. And at that time, when he was meeting with Mahaprabhu, Rupa and Balabha had arrived. Mm -hmm. And, and they paid their obeisances to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu at a distance. Hmm? And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and, and Balaba noticed them, and he went to, said, oh, please, get up. And Mahaprabhu said, don't touch them. They're outcasts. Testing him. And Balaba said, he picked up on it, he said, how can they be outcast when their lips are constantly chanting the holy name. Hmm. He saw, without trying, their, 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 their tongues were, were moving and the name was chanting and they were weeping. And so 
Mahaprabhu was pleased with Balaba on that occasion. But in Vrindavan, he had some complaint about something that Rupa had written in Bhaktivasamrita Sindhu. This was, must have been in the context of writing it and maybe sharing some some part of the manuscript and so forth with another scholar and and uh, and uh, in, in in one verse uh, Rupa Goswami describes um, if you study it carefully, which Jiva Goswami did, that the desires for karma and jnana are like witches that come to haunt the heart, and unless the house of the heart is freed from these desires for jnana knowledge unto itself, or karma, things, desires for things, or desire to get away from things, one or the other, then bhakti won't reside in that haunted house to that extent. So you have to bring her in and chase them out, little bit, little bit. So that's what the Jiva Goswami's understanding of the verse was. But on its face, somehow Balaba, this is the story anyway, you know, history gets lost a little bit over time, centuries, but this is from the oral tradition and it's famous, that Balaba said, you can't call karma and gyan witches. These are paths given in the sacred text. Indeed, there's an, there's an offense to the holy name that says one should not blaspheme the Vedas, which means that one should not, as a bhakta, one should not criticize unduly the paths of karma and jnana that have a place for people who only have eligibility for those paths and as yet lack eligibility in bhakti. Now we can criticize them by way of comparison to bhakti to create eligibility in bhakti, but that's another thing, and that's an art, right? Otherwise, these are, these are given in the Vedas. So he took exception to what Rupa had written, and he went away and Balaba followed him. Or excuse me, Jiva Goswami followed him, the story goes. And uh, I think he went to bathe in the Ganga and he assisted him. And he said, by the way, hmm, you criticized that verse, but this is the actual meaning of the verse, and you were wrong. This is his elder. So this is how, what he was like. Hmm? Right, Rupa Goswami said, let, let it go. And so then the, the news came back to Rupa Goswami. It seems like a good thing. It is. But Rupa Goswami rejected him. said, you can't stay here any longer. You're wasting your time in arguing with people. Hmm? Just arguments over philosophy. You're wasting your time. We have our philosophy. What it is. People argue against it. Whatever. We're going on with it and we're doing it. This seems to be the, a, a difference in their disposition. Jiva Goswami was banished. He went into Radhakund area. There he was living in a cave and then fasting and Sanatana Goswami came upon him and saw him in his condition and then brought it up quietly to Rupa Goswami who accepted him back in. But it's a story that I think illustrates to some extent the difference in the, in the disposition of Jiva Goswami and his own guru, Rupa Goswami, which really equipped Jiva Goswami to do the task that that he was uh, he, 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 he was ordained to do and that was not within you know the nature of Rupa Goswami or even Sanatana Goswami to do or Raghunath Das Goswami uh, or Gopal Bhatta Raghunath Bhatta didn't write anything hmm. so he had a certain philosophical mind and made a big contribution that that was relatively important. It's one aspect of what was required to establish the Sampradaya and which even today, in today's world, 
amongst scholars, Indologists, whatnot, it, it, it has gone a long way to bring uh, attention to the poetry of Rupa Goswami then, and the, the beautiful ideas and the, and the, and the Leela narratives of, uh, of the Goswamis. And I don't mean to say that none of their other books have meant much philosophy, but comparatively, there's a, there's a significant difference. So there's room for different dispositions and different ways in which uh, to serve, and we heard a little bit from this about Jiva Goswamis, and we owe a great debt to him. I've said, written poetically elsewhere, something to the effect that, uh, you know, Jiva Goswami was, um, took, uh, he, he, he actually he, uh, took the, the Bhagavatam as his, like a sculptor, as a tool, and used it to carve out the deity of Krishna's tool. Bhagavan Swayam, here he is, and it displayed it before the whole, whole world, and and as we've heard before, well, for different reasons, this is this is the 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 uh, most significant cornerstone of the philosophical foundation of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. So, where would we be without Jiva Goswami today? We have the definitive editions of the Sandharvas being published by the Jiva Institute. And so his, his influence remains today and, and, and has inspired a, a modern-day uh, institute to carry on that type of philosophical legacy. So we, we need that in the world, too, besides foolish people like me, <laughs> sentimentalists. So, Jiva Goswami Prabhupada Ki Jai. Shri Shri Gornitananda Ki Jai, Gaudiya Vaishnava Sampradaya Ki Jai, Shri Shri Dauji Gopal Ki Jai, Gaur Bhakta Vrinda Ki Jai, Gaur Premanandi. I see Rohini Nanda is there, I see Bamsi Dhari is there, Brigu and Sharanagati. I see so many nice devotees. Hmm. There's Doctor, the doc my doctor from Canada. Hello. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, Sham does. So nice to be with all of you today. Any question? Yes? Uh, I wondered about uh, Gopal Goswami. Just, uh, You're wondering about Gopal Bhatta Goswami? About Rupa Goswami. Rupa Goswami. Is it exactly in his line we are following because he's the The question is about Rupa Goswami and the term Rupa Nuga, and why is it that we are, is it that we are all followers of Rupa Goswami because because he's the Abhideya Tattva Acharya, the Acharya that presides over the way, the path, the means, Abhideya. He wrote Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, Ujjwal Nilmani. These books are about the way, mm -hmm. and um, so. The question is along those lines. Um, uh, well, you know, Rupa Goswami has shown the way. That's true. Mm -hmm. Not that others haven't, but that's uh, emphasis on bhakti or sambhitisindu. What what is bhakti? Mm -hmm. What is sadhana bhakti, which is the way, which leads to bhava bhakti? How that works? What is prema bhakti? What is bhakti rasa? Mm -hmm. 
interrogative with constituents, alip constituent elements, this bhava, that bhava, stai bhava, sanchari bhava, and so on, sattvika bhava, and so on. And then what is each rasa? Hmm? Shantadasa, sakivatsalya, the primary, what are the secondary rasas? What are the, what is conflicting rasas? And uh, so on and so forth, how they mix and how they don't mix. That's his tome, right? Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, very important uh, book. And um, but the question is, are we all Rupanugas because we because he's the one who follows shows the way? I'm not I think that the term Rupanuga was first coined by Raghunath Das Goswami in maybe the last verse, if I'm right, if I remember correctly, of Manashiksha. And if we look at that carefully, he refers to Rupa Goswami uh, or himself uh, as a Rupanuga. Anuga means to follow, a follower of Rupa uh, in terms of the Yuta, the group that he's in on the one hand. Hmm? Internally, Rupa Goswami is a handmaiden of Radha. Rupa, Rupa Manjari. Hmm? Here the word Rupa means beauty. Rupa Manjari is thought to be an incarnation or expansion of the beauty of Radha. Hmm? All these internal associates of, uh, of Radha, so many gopis, they're different aspects of herself, personified, if you will. So, Krishna is actually monogamous. You never know it on the surface, but hmm, all the different moods of Radha personified to one extent or another to make for the inter, interplay of, of, of rasa. So, um, yeah, Rupa Goswami, he was a Goswami. Hmm. As Rupa, he's Rupa Manjari, so the very f- f- beauty of Radha. He's just a young young girl, very, very beautiful, prepubescent girl in Braj, uh, a handmaiden of Radha, Krishna's consort. Uh, And he's a Goswami. He's Rupa and he's a a Goswami. He has has control of his mind and senses. So he has control of his mind and his senses um, and he's wild about Krishna (laughs) at the same time wild about Krishna. Of course, if we go into depth of the, of the Manjari Bab, we see it's a romantic, platonic at the same time relationship that he has with Krishna. It's complicated, right? It's a particular type of Madhurya Rasa. So, Raghunath Das Goswami is following in that same um, uh, Bhav. Hmm? And he coins the term Rupanuga. And for the most part, it refers to those who follow Rupa Goswami in terms of that bhava. But, of course, let's take, for example, Sakuras, which we've talked about and, and we have some affinity for and I've written about. I mean, there's no one that has revealed more about Sakuras in the history of Hinduism than Rupa Goswami, and it is immense. Different types of Sakurasa, nuances within that, what it constitutes, examples and so forth. I mean, where he's getting all that, um, he has original verses that he uses to explain some of the philosophical points that he makes. He borrows some or draws from others, some other texts, but much of it is original. It's extremely insightful. I mean, there are other people that seem to have some affinity for Sakura, some poets and whatnot, in and around the time thereafter or before Rupa Goswami, but no one has made 
a, a contribution like him. Mostly you see something like um, what is it called? Swacha? Swacha. Like Samanya, Swacha, Shanta. Prior to Shantaras, he has some affinity for this. You can find in some of these Bridgebas poets that they have some affinity for Sakyarat. Then over they're talking over here about some affinity for Madhurya Ras. Over here some affinity for Batsali Ras. It hasn't become fixed in one way, in w centered on one bhav, a stai bhav, out of which actual bhakti rasa can arise. And, and this all explained by Rupa Goswami. We can, we can differentiate between their experience and what Rupa Goswami is talking about. So how can we, if we are, have interest in Sakya Bhava, not emphasize uh, our regard for and show deference to Rupa Goswami in a broader sense? Hmm? We, we also follow Rupa Goswami. We are the Anugas of him. We're following with what he teaches about Sakyarasa. And of course, he follows Nityananda Prabhu, whom we also follow because Heno Nitai Bine Pai Bai Radha Krishna Poite Nai. No one can get close to Radha Krishna without going through Nityananda Prabhu. She Nityananda Sarup Ki Jai. And so, so in a, there's a couple of ways to look at the term. Rupanuga. Um, Prabhupada, my Guru Maharaj, always wrote about it in the latter way, in a broader way, following the teachings of Rupa Goswami. But um, there's you know, much to be said for the idea of that the full sense of Rupanuga is following the teachings of Rupa Goswami and entering into the same bhava, as pursuing the same bhava as Rupa Goswami, having that as one's ideal. Hmm? Um, but unfortunately, things like this get used as battering rams to create sectarian uh, boundaries and bruises within Gaudiya Vaishnavism. You like Sakiras, you're not a Rupanuga. Punch? Mm, maybe not. What do you think? Then all the disciples come, punch, 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 punch. <laughs> not a good, uh, this is not a good way to deal with these very, very sensitive topics and what, what rasa means, who are the embodiments of this this Nityasuddha Krishna Prem hmm, in Braj and how they they are the dearest thing to Krishna. Krishna corresponds with them. Without them, there is no Krishna in Braj. Without the love, there's no object of the love. You can't have one without the other. So we should tread very carefully in talking about all these things. We bow to all of such rasas. At one time I had a discussion with Pramod Puri Goswami Maharaj because Prabhupada had, of course, written a famous poem in which he expressed his desire for, for attaining Sakyarasa, his identification with that as his ideal. And I read it to Puri Maharaj, and his eyes lit up when he heard that verse, said, oh, Sakyarasa. And I said, yes, and some people are saying, this I heard came through. Um, so anyway, some people are saying that because my Guru Maharaj is in Sakyarasa, if you want to attain Madhurya Rasa, you're going to have to go somewhere else. And I was taking exception to this, and Puri Marsh did as well. I just wanted to get his confirmation. And he said, Baba, he said, uh, you know, he was like over 100 years old at the time, but he was kind of animated by the, by the discussion. He said, uh, sometimes I would go and sit with Puri Marsh and then in a darshan, and then everyone would leave and I'd stay and ask if I could stay with him and chant japa in his presence because that's good. He always gave me permission. Often he would read Gopal Champo. Jambu at that time, to himself. 
So anyway, uh, he said, Baba, if you got a guru, if you have a guru situated in the Sakyarasa, and you think you have a problem, you have a problem. <laughs> he will make all arrangements, he said. Mm-hmm. And there are examples of this too in the Sampradaya. So these are, you know, the, the, to have connection with that realm, to have standing in that realm, mm-hmm. that is significant, rare, desirable. Sudulava Bhagavata Hiloke. Sudulava, what does that verse say? Hmm. Uh, can't hear you, Prego. Um, we may not be able to. Anyway, that's the last line. Sudulava Bhagavata Hiloke. This describes the Vaishnav. Hmm? To touch him, her, to to see them. Akshno falam talucagatrasanga akshno falam. To see him is the perfection of the eyes. To touch the expression of expression, the profession of, uh, of, of 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 sangha. To speak about him, the perfection of the tongue. Hmm. Such a person, sudula bhagavato In this loka, in this world. Sudulava Bhagavata, very rare to find such a Bhagavata. Hmm. So, to all such Bhagavatas, we owe our respect. I, I bring an end to this with, with this. I cited Rupa Goswami in his relationship with this Balabhacharya, who has some different ideas than some in Gaudiya Vaishnava, but Mahaprabhu accepted. And Rupa Goswami in his book, Bhattarasamrita Sindhu, in two places, he says, and there's others, Pushti Marg, and other places and there's others, the the um Mariata Mark and they are more or less the same. These are ref- terms that refer to the Vaidi and the Raganuga side in the Balaba Sampradaya. So what to speak of in our own Sampradaya, we should be generous with one another, especially with regard to these types of topics and the fact that they may have touched someone, some 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 rays of 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 what that love constitutes may have touched someone in this this world, we'll examine, is it really true? Hmm. And we see that that feeling has, is mm-hmm. well supported, and well understood, well grounded. Then we have to step back, show some regard for that, the hope that we'll be blessed. We find the prayers of Rupa Goswami himself, for example. What does he say? Rupa Goswami praying to Subal. And where did you learn that verse? Translation? Where did you learn it? There you so there we go. See <laughs> see I know the verse. <laughs> so <laughs> so here Rupa Goswami's praying, Oh Subal, you would know. Mm-hmm. You are the friend of the son of Nanda and the daughter of Vrishabhanu hmm? uh, Maharaj in Vrindavan. When will you bless me that you bring me in in, in their proximity? Rupa Goswami praying in the bhava of a, of a bhava, Jatarag Sadaka, one who has bhava, he's praying in that mood. Hmm? Bring me in touch with that, uh, the divine couple. You, you, you can do that. No one can bring them better together, better than you. Hmm? And if you can bring me to them. So this is how we should regard all these different so we, we pay our respect to all of them, to all the, all the um, examples of them in, uh, in Braj. Shi Braj Lila Ki Jai. Shi Gaur Parshadas Ki Jai. Golok Parshadas. Shi Shi Krishna Balaram. 
and associates ki jai gor bhaktavrinda ki jai gor prebalandi hari hari jai nice to be with you all hari hari